Two in your RFM 103.7. It is Gardening Talk back on a Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Judy Sharp. If you do have any questions for Judy, give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Kevin from Patterson. How are you doing, Kevin? Uh, good, thanks. Now you've got some problems with roses. I, got, I want to move some out of the road. They're in the, in the road. I need to put a drain through where they are. Oh, Kevin, is that now you need to move them? Yes, I've got to move them because we've got... Um, when we have storms, we get water in the house. Oh, well, you've got to move them, haven't you? I've got to move them, yes. You've yeah. got to move them. Well, look, uh, at the moment, you can do a summer prune. I mean, you, you know that the best time to move them is probably June or July, but if you've yes. got to move them, uh, when you dig them, I would, if you take off, say, a third of the roots, you damage a third of the roots, you will then take off a third of the top growth. Try and keep it equal. Have the hole ready and uh, plenty of water going and just keep water, water, water after you move them. Yeah, right. Can I put them in a pot and then replant them later on? Oh, yes, you could do that, yeah. That's what I um, intended to do, put them in a pot. How big are they, though? How long have they been in the ground? um, I don't know. We bought this house two years ago and they were there then. And they're fairly advanced. Yeah, they're advanced, yeah. Well, you're going to have to get pretty big pots. Yeah, Mm. Yep, and use a good rose potting mix or a good quality potting mix and just make sure you give them a drink every day. And, Kevin, it wouldn't hurt you to get a product called Flourish that you will put in their water and water that over them once a week and that will help them settle in. And let us know how you go. Good luck. Thanks, Thanks, Kevin. Bye. Bye. Cheers, Kevin. We've got Jan from Macquarie Hills about peach trees. Oh, hi, Jan. What can Hello. I help you with? Um, my son's got a peach tree, and I think it's on the nectarine tree too, but it's like a little uh, whitish-looking uh, thing, like a jelly sort of a thing. It's not sticky, but it comes on it. He sprayed it with confidor and that, but it doesn't seem to go. Oh, Jan, this is on the end of the growth, isn't it? Yes. Right, okay. Look, you could save your time spraying at the moment. Yeah. Uh, you need to spray at the end of July and early August, and you spray with something like copper oxychloride. It is a fungal disease. All right. But you won't be able to control it now. Oh, right. You need to then... spray before the new growth starts to blossom. All right. End of July and August. End of July, then two weeks later into August. Ah, And spray good. twice copper oxychloride. Oh, good. Okay. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye. And we've got Steve from Barsley about jacaranda trees. Hello, Steve. G'day, Judy. Jacaranda is one of my favourites. Oh, well, you ain't want to like what I want to ask you. <laughs> you want to chop it out, don't you? Well, myself, it's in my neighbours, but it's on the fence, and we both don't want it there. We have cut it down to a stump, then it's shot up. It's in in amongst a hedge of fertinia, which we want, both of us, and I'm the one mainly that prunes it. Um, And it keeps shooting up. I've tried cutting the new suckers that come up and I cut them and put um, Monsanto on them, Roundup. Right. Uh, which is, when I had a property, it's a 
Subidoo Boyne. Loves it. <laughs> well, oh, it's begging to be alive, Steve. But look, I Would can't. You like it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't withhold information on the radio, darling. Uh, what you need to do is get tree and blackberry killer. Righto. That's a different ball game than what you've been using. I know it. You yeah. know it. You just, you know, you mix it up with kerosene or with diesel, which mm-hmm. acts as a spreading agent. Uh, now, what you're going to have to keep your fingers crossed about is that when it spreads through the root system, that the fatinia hedge hasn't entangled with the jacarandas root system. I don't think so. There seems to be a gap. Right, OK. Well, that would be good. I can see that the, the, the base of the fatinia is quite a distance from, like, in each direction, um, possibly oh, at least half a metre or more. OK. Look, when you do it, when you complete the job, Mm-hmm. Uh, you must plug your drill holes up with some soap or some putty. That's mm-hmm. half of the solution. But oh, I see. Yeah, don't put in a small amount, Steve, because was that jacaranda originally, what, five metres high, ten metres high? Um, Is it a big stump? No, sort of like possibly uh, four, four okay. metres. Well, your root system could be four metres. Right. So you'll need to give it a fair application of the tree and blackberry. Okey-doke. Okay. Good luck with that, Steve. But you're, you're quite welcome to have it. <laughs> you know it's not going to transplant at that size. I know. Well, it's been... It's just nice little... Yes, now it's about three metres high again. <laughs> well, you know, it's all the way from South Africa, so... Yes. Oh, OK, go and do it. Okie dokie. Thanks, Thank bye. I thought you could just rip the whole stump out. Oh, no, the roots must be too deep. He could get a stump grinder in, yep. but I think the fatinias are the problem by the sound of it. Oh, OK. Yes, yeah. Well, that's just me thinking, just get a shovel and start hacking away at the ground. <laughs> Apparently you can't do that. It's Guarding Talk back on 2NURFM. We've got Sylvia from Bottles Bay. Hi, I've got two problems. One's tuberoses and the other one is uh, moth orchids. Right, well, we deal with tuberoses first, shall we? Yes. Sylvia, would you mind if I explain to the listeners about tuberoses? Certainly. You don't see them very often. No, you don't. Uh, and, they smell um, divine. They're absolutely incredible. I bought a, uh, a bunch of tuberoses last week over at Bell Flora at Broadmeadow yes. to give to someone who had lost her elderly mum because tuberoses tended to be in gardens, didn't they, about 50, 60 years ago? Yeah, and they were my mother's favourite. Oh, so you really um, want Rock to keep, keep them. them. Yeah. So what's the problem with them, Sylvia? Well, I... Uh, I took them out from where they were, uh, oh, about six months ago and divided them up. They went too bunchy. Uh, now they've gone mad. I've got, they're about, oh, three, four metres long. Uh, I've got them along the edge of a path and the flowers come up, uh, but sort of one at a time and then nothing. Right, okay. It looks as though maybe too much effort's going into the growth, perhaps. I don't know. The whole thing's got 
which is so quickly after I divided them up. Yes. I don't know if that's the problem. Uh, part of the problem is, Sylvia, if I can cast my memory back to my mother-in-law, I'm sure she had tuberoses at Mayfield, and I'm positive she told me once she, you dig them and, and separate them, you do have to wait some time, some years for them to flower again. So oh. perhaps that's what's happening. So how about if you hit them with um, some sulphate of potash, Greg yeah. smiling. I don't use it very often, Greg. No, oh, that's that's a Greg thing. Every yeah. week. <laughs> because that might they might be calling for some element that isn't in your new area there, Sylvia. Oh. So let's try that and see what happens. Sulphate of potash. That's it, Is yes. that a powder or a liquid? You can have either. You can buy either. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's now, one problem solved. Your moth orchids, I believe. Yes, they're growing quite nicely. <clears throat> Pardon me, I've got two new ones, but I've, the three old ones that I've got over the last couple of years, um, they, there's no sign of a new flower coming. Okay, we're talking about Phalaenopsis? Yes. Right, okay. Uh, you know when the stem, when the flower is finished, do you yes. always cut the stem back above a nodule? Uh, I didn't know that. Yes, I think I cut them right down. No, you know, you know the little nodules up and down the stem. Yes, you yes. You must always cut off above one of those nodules. Oh dear. So what can I do to save it now or to make it flower again? <laughs> well, you know that sulphate of potash. Yes. I'd be making that into a very weak strength and give it a go with that. Oh, all right. Okay. Oh, thank you very much for your help. You're and have welcome, a good day. Sylvia. Thank you, dear. Bye. Bye. Cheers, Sylvia. We've got Greg from Dungog about liquid amber trees. Yes, it is. It's, yes, thanks very much. Hello, Judy. Hello, Greg. Thanks very much for your time. Uh, my dilemma is a liquid amber. It's a tree that's had a... It's on a rural block in Dungog area. It's a tree that's had a bit of physical damage due to cattle and a horse eating it. But prior to Christmas, on some of the branches, there was these longitudinal shankers on the branches... And the tree was quite virulent, and uh, I've been away for six weeks, and I come back and I now notice that uh, about a third of the branches have died. Oh, Greg, what was the weather like while you were away? Was it getting plenty of water? Yes, yes, we've it had was. very, very good rainfall. Yeah, well... And even prior to leave going away, the uh, growth I could sort on a weekly basis, it's only about 1.5 metres high, but I could measure it on a weekly basis that it was growing. Greg, uh, have you looked to see if you have any borer holes in there or any sap running out? No, I haven't done that. Um, um, uh, I've just sort of had a visual look. Yeah. Um, and tell me, uh, you know, say on the tree when you look, is just one branch going brown? No, no, it's about a third of the tree. And uh, when I say shangas, it's like a... a, a Little mountain ranges, so to speak, on the on the on the branch. You know, it runs longitudinal with the branch, and a bit of a scaly appearance. Okay, right. Uh, it could be some form of scale, Greg. Yeah. Probably the best thing you could do. Uh, I'm not sure if. Do you still have an, a local nursery in Dungog? Oh yes, yes, yes. Well, why not take some photos in? Yes, I could that, even take a dead branch in, couldn't I? You could, for sure, because it sounds like it needs eyeballing, doesn't it? Yes, 
definitely needs eyeballing. Yeah. Uh, but I'd still check before you go in to make sure there are no holes or sap coming out. Yes, I had a uh, um, a mock orange in Brisbane where there was borer holes in it and uh, about a six millimetre hole right up the length of the branch. Uh, with engineering precision, so that might be a similar thing that you're alluding to. Yes, well, there are a couple of types, different kinds of borers, mm. uh, but when you see instant brown, that often means borer attack. Okay. So just check that, but take some photos in of that scaly effect. Okay, now one of my other contemplations was replacing it with, a, I think it's called a Red Rum October Glory. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, and... Uh, I've had soil tests done here and the pH is terrible, about 4.9. So to the best of your knowledge, do you know if uh, these species will handle that acidic soil? Look, I think they'd rather go in about 7. Yeah. That's a Fleming's release. That's right, yeah. Uh, Fleming's are very, very good people to deal with. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure if you... Ra- I know they're down in Victoria. Yes, I've seen their website and I have yeah. like a question section. Yeah, well, I think that'd be the way to go mm. because they're growing them, they're producing them. and yes. uh, But I would say that the pH will need to come up to about a 7. A 7, which yeah. is... Yeah, uh, go on their website and uh, let us know what the answer is to that. I might check it out myself when I get back to work. Good on you. Thanks very okay. much indeed. Thank you, Greg. Thank Bye. you for your time. Bye-bye. Now, is this Gardening Talk back on 2 RFM? If you do have any questions, give us a call on 49216216. Now, before, Judy, you started off talking about citrus leaf miner. Oh, citrus leaf miner. I know we have talked about it over the last yep. few weeks, Greg, but it is a real problem. And partly that has occurred because uh, the systemic sprays have been taken from the home garden use, yep. uh, namely Roga, Labasid, and... You know, now we're we're totally using organic products in the home garden uh, to combat any kind of problem like fruit fly. Leaf miner is a, a nasty little insect that gets under the skin of the leaf and it forms a tracing. Oh, okay. And it shrivels the leaf up and it curls. And they're really naughty little devils because they <laughs> only attack the lovely new growth. So right. you're looking at your tree and you've got all this new growth. And, and then you're thinking all everything's of, good. Yeah, all of a sudden it's a big scrunch-up yep. look. And uh, there is a new product just been released, and there are a lot of eco-oil products out there, but I'm fancying trying this one. It's called Searle's Eco-Fend. Yep. Eco-Fend. And it, because it also kills thrips, mealybug and whitefly. Now, it's safe to use on vegetables, fruit trees, pot plants, ornamentals, but it's perfectly safe on edible product and that's what the search is today we're constantly trying to update the uh, the products that are going to yep. do the job this product is totally organic so we'll give it a go and uh stop and report in a few weeks time no, no worries and we've got may from gillison heights hello may hello how are you not too bad excellent um, i just had your um program going on the radio and I thought a lady was asking you about a peony rose, am I right? No, she wasn't actually. She was talking about tuberoses. Tuberose. Yeah, tuberose, which I'm sure you would know what they are. I do know what they are, oh, but I had trouble with a peony rose and it took seven years and it hadn't flowered. And did it? It did when I did what I was told by the local nursery. And what was that? Make a trench around it and dig in a full amount of sheep manure. Sheep manure. 
Well, yeah. that's interesting. May I'm very surprised that you can grow peony roses at Gilliston because no, no. I know you get it cold there, but you also get a lot of heat, don't you? Yes. And peonies really don't do well in this area at all. No, no, no. It wasn't in this area I was growing. Oh, right, right. No. Oh, right, okay. Uh, but that solved the problem because they don't like being disturbed. No, that's true. But no, it was a peony rose I was talking about. Yes, so you were growing those somewhere else? Mm, yes. Oh, I see. Because yes. mostly they're only grown down in Victoria in Tasmania. Yes, no, this was on the tablelands. Oh, right, yes, so nice and cold. At very cold, yeah. yes. Well, anyone out there that's attempting to grow peony roses in the area, uh, you've got to dig a trench around it. Around them and sheep put manure. a bucket full of sheep manure. Bucket full of sheep manure. And then just fill it in over the top and just water it well and it flowered the following year and never looked back. Well, that's wonderful. Thanks for that info, May. That's really good. I'm okay. sure there are always people out there trying peony roses. Well, I, just thought of, I just turned it on and I wasn't listening and I thought, oh, tuber rose. Uh, not tuber rose, peony rose. Peony I think roses. I know what the problem yeah. might be. Well, but you I know, the wrong one. Uh, our listeners won't realise that there is a great difference, of course. Oh, no, no, there's a lot of difference. Oh, the peony roses are so big and beautiful, aren't they're they? They're gorgeous. And you can buy them at your local florist at quite a decent price, no yeah. doubt. And then they won't grow real well in the warmer climate. No, they don't. But no, thank you for the call, May. We okay. appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank Bye. you. Bye. No worries. Cheers. Thanks, May. It is Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM 103.7. Any questions? You can give us a call on 49216 at 216. Now, once again, talking about pests, mice was the other issue you were talking about. We've had pro- I have problems with mice in the house, or did, but yes, in the, in the and, garden. And uh, Yes, oh, they love eating tomatoes and anything you're growing. Uh, but, you know, they're big friends or relatives. The rat. Oh, they're around <laughs> at the moment. Oh, nasty creatures they are. Uh but one of my cats brought in a little mouse the other night and put it underneath the piano. And but they that was were nice. That was a nice one. It was very nice of them. There were two of them, one either side of the poor little mouse. And so what did I do, Greg? Just put them in a bin. <laughs> I don't know. No, <laughs> I got a box and let him climb in it for safety. Yep. And then I took him out and put him in the garden. He had little ears and cute little nose and eyes. But their bigger friends, the rats, now they are raging everywhere at the moment. I don't know whether it's the amount of rain we've had, uh, but one thing we're finding is working. Now, of course, you can't put rat sack around uh, low in a garden bed, but we've tried a new method at the nursery of, you know, nailing the rat sack up high. Oh, okay. It's on the, along the fences or... Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, the other thing that uh, people can do, of course, if they're having those kind of problems, uh, for example, at the moment, the bats are eating all the... Uh... Fruit? Yes, but what fruit? I've had a mental block here. Very expensive. We'll get callers ringing in oh, now I've to tell no me. Idea. I can only think of... Apples, figs, 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 figs. The bats are eating the figs everywhere at the moment and people are covering them with a net. Now, that's another another method to avoid these nasty creatures that want to come and eat the veggies. But I also have noticed that this may surprise listeners, but cockroaches will also eat the vegetables you're growing oh, in the okay. garden. I've yeah. never heard of that before. Oh, yes, they certainly do. Everyone blames rabbits. And often, you know, you because we get all our all the samples brought in, and then yep. and you look at the different size bites, and you know those little bites are not a rabbit, 
A rabbit's no. going to take half a chunk, isn't he? Yeah. But uh, part of the secret is uh, for using the um, – when you're using, say, the rat sack, there's a great fast-action one out there, and you can use it in damp or dry areas. You don't put just one up because mice are nibblers. Yep. So you need a few along the fence. But rats, hopefully they take a big chunk. Very good. End I'm of story. Thankfully, I've never had experience with rats. Mice, I'm not a big fan either. That's why I would put them in the bin, a hammer. <laughs> oh, no, no. They are a bit cute. They well, are. But... People have them for pets, don't they? Yeah, but they're, they are annoying, though, when they start ripping through stuff. and. Oh, yeah, they can be, yeah, if they multiply. And especially if they're... Well, they had one, and it woke me up in the middle of the night. So I was, like, in my bedroom. Oh. Armed with a cricket bat. Oh. And trying to find this mouse just running around the house. <laughs> it wasn't going to nibble you, Greg. Still, it, it looked at me. That's how arrogant it was. That's why I don't <laughs> like mice. Uh, Simon Sharp has done a, a lot of research into mice and rats in the last couple of weeks, and their reproduction rate is incredible. The oh, okay. figures have gone yep. out of my mind now, but I think it's one female you know, has about a hundred a month or something. I mean, they really breed rapidly. So like that's rabbits. part of, like a rabbit, yeah. <laughs> it's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. We've got Kim from Adamstown. Hi, Kim. Hi there, Judy. Um, you had a lady on just a couple of moments ago asking some information about the peach tree. Yes, I did. Now, I, I was just in the middle of making a lunch and I didn't quite catch the original question that she asked, but it was sapping... Coming from the tip of the tree, was that right? That's right, yes. Right. Now, what she has got, you told her to use copper oxychloride. Yes, at a that's certain a, time that, of year. That's for a fungal problem. She has not got a fungal problem. Oh, okay. What has she got She then? has either oriental fruit moth or light brown apple moth. Now, both of those will be taken care of with carbaryl. Now, you've got to be careful with it. Um, I grow fruit trees, so I, I, as soon as you said that, I said, no, that's not right. And there was something else uh, ages ago, I think um, Scott said about it, and there was a difference between fruit fly and the fruit moth, the oriental fruit moth, and the fruit fly wouldn't have been around at the time that they were around. So I just sort of thought I'd better pick you up because that's not right. She's going to spray it for something that's not going to have any effect on her um, insect that's chewing the... And it doesn't do a great deal of damage. It just chews the new growth out. Yeah, it's probably one of those situations that, uh, you know, we'd probably have to look at the problem, wouldn't we, to make absolutely sure. Over the air, sometimes it is a bit awkward to get the precise information that you need to make a a diagnosis. That's right, yeah. And uh, I... The tree will not suffer. It will die back and the shoot will... A new shoot will go out just below where that thing... When you come to prune the fruit tree in uh, in wintertime, prune, just cut those off. Just cut those dead pieces off and your new little shoots will grow out from underneath it and that'll be your next year's growth. Well, Kim, I really hope that uh, Jan is listening. She'll be still listening. Even uh, if she does have a fungal problem or, you know, what you're saying, uh, it won't hurt to spray with the copper oxychloride anyway because she's not going to do it till the tree's dormant in July. Well, She's not copper, going to go out there and spray now. So. Yeah, copper sprays are usually not put on whilst the leaves are still... But there again, as it gets towards the end of the season, 
she will need to spray it because she'll need to uh, spray for next year's uh, growth to, for overwintering of um, brown rot and a few other diseases that do come into the fruit trees. That's right. Yep. So that's, I always think it's a good general rule to spray them at the end of July and early August yeah. before they start to get their new growth on them. Well, but, you'd normally spray just before the leaf fall. Yes, so hopefully she's listening and uh, maybe she needs to probably take some into the nursery or her local nursery and let someone have a look at it. Well, if she wants to, I think the girl might have my number or whatever, but if she, if she wants to call back and sort of get a number, I can sort of put a um, thing. Because as I said, I grow some fruit trees and that's, they're the things that I sort of pick up. I, I used to sub- subscribe to the uh, DPI's uh, annual um, fruit tree, uh, what they used to call the annual fruit tree calendar. And that gives you all the sprays and things like this. They're gonna, and the insects are going to be out at particular times of the year. Oh, well, I hope she listens, Kim, and gives us a ring, and then we'll be able to follow up on it. OK, then. Thank you for ringing, and That's it's right. always Thank nice you. to be corrected. Oh, well, it wasn't a point of... Well, I just, you said Copyoxacora, <laughs> and I said, no, it's an insect. Copyoxacora is only going to do a fungal. Yeah, yeah. no, look, uh, sometimes you need to see the problem, don't you? Yes. That's right. That's okay. like a doctor trying to diagnose something over the phone. That's exactly right. Thank you, Kim. <laughs> okay, then, Judy. Thank you. Bye. Bye. No worries, Kim. It is nice to have people ring up with solutions, though. Oh, it is, yeah. I wasn't quite sure what... Uh, he was correcting Scott about something about fruit flies. You may remember that. It might be... I don't remember either as well, actually. <laughs> and so that my memory's not overly great at the moment. So. <laughs> now, but early before, you are mentioning something about indoor plants, Judy. Greg, at this time of year, I often find, and uh, here at the university, you'd realise, of course, that the students are all hitting town and looking for little flats and apartments to live in. And I find... Stretching to their dorms. Yeah, yeah. Particularly um, blokes, they come in and they just want something that's hardy and tough. And we're all spending so much time inside at the moment rather than out in the garden. I thought it was probably uh, a very good time to talk about hardy indoor plants. How are you like with stuff inside? As good as it is outside. (laughs) (laughs) Right, change of question then. there's two wonderful plants, and one is called Green Supreme, yep. and the other one is called Zanzibar Gem. Okay, are they any cactuses? No, they're not. <laughs> they're, <laughs> no, they're probably, I think they might be a bit hardier than cactus. A lot of people kill cactus inside, they overwater them, oh, okay. and they do miss a little bit of the sun. But the Zanzibar Gem requires extremely little watering i mean you can just let it go totally dry they're very very hardy indoor plants uh they're very structural and they're used a lot in uh you know in big um uh store situations where um you know the plants are probably on higher and they get neglected and they're very very tough uh very popular but uh the green supreme is very leafy and glossy green but it likes a little bit more water okay but both of them are very hardy indoor plants so if you're sitting around inside at the moment and looking around at a half dead maiden hair <laughs> off with its head put it in the bin like you do with a mice exactly and yeah then- Straight to a Green Supreme. Yeah, straight to a Green Supreme. And we've got Val from a Bishop's Beach. Hello, Val. Yeah, hi, Judy. It's actually Bishop's Bridge. Bishop's Bridge. Oh, oh Bishop's okay. Bridge in the valley. Yeah, in oh, the valley. That yeah, makes sense because no. we had no idea where Bishop's Beach was. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Bishop's Bridge. Yeah, no, sorry to trouble you. Um, I've got a... At the 
front of the house there's a 40 metre long hedge and it's a very important part of the house because it gives us privacy and it's, and it's a feature and it's, I think it's called the Viburnian Tinus Hedge. Yes, that could be so. Viburnum Tinus gets a little white flower on it. That's right and I never know when it's okay to cut it back because it's quite, quite large at the moment and it does need to be cut back and shaped. Val, I always think with most hedges that flower, uh, you're best to wait till they finish flowering and then cut them back. Now, that uh, viburnum would have finished flowering probably about Christmas time, did it? That's right, yeah. Yeah. Look, you know, perhaps then was the right time, but now won't hurt. Now won't hurt. Now won't hurt. The main secret is you don't hedge them just before they're going to flower. Yeah, okay. uh, have um, um, Have you got a property up there, Val? Yeah, yeah. Right. So you got cows? Got cows. Have you got cows? No, no cows. There's no cows nearby. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, when you prune them, they would love a good feed up with cow manure. That was the next thing I was going to ask you. I've been feeding it uh, chook pellets. Oh. Uh, it sort of seems to cope with it all right, as long as the water's up to it. But yeah, and I have cow manure... Well, cow manure is a bit more acidic, which you'll find the viburnum probably prefers. Okay, much appreciated. You're quite welcome. All right, thanks very Thank much. Thank you. Bye. Bye, mate. Val, and we've got a Margaret now from Macquarie Hills. Hello, Margaret. You might have to turn your radio off if you can, Margaret. Yeah, um, I've been listening to your show, and I've been listening, you know, about how to place the rat sack safely in the gardens, you know, and around your yard. Yes. Well, I'll tell you how I do it, because I have a bird's, you know, so I keep, you know, rat sack out all the time. What I do is I get a yogurt container, wash it out real good and dry it. Then I cut a hole in the lid of that yogurt container in the middle, not at the top or bottom, right in the middle, big enough for a mouse or even a rat to get in. Then I put that lid back on that yogurt container. Then I put the, well, I don't use rat sack. The rat sack that I get, I get from the produce. Uh, produce place and it's much better than all that rat sack stuff. It's like little bits of wheat with rat sack around it and I put that in there and then I get a brick and I wedge that thing. I lay it on its side, flat side, the flatter side down and I wedge it between the bricks, two bricks each side, a brick each side, wedge it tight in there and then I put a roof tile on top of that. And then when it rains, and you can also put like something, I usually have mine on a retaining wall, you know, so mud don't get in it. But when it rains, and then I overhang that roof tile over the top because the roof tile's much bigger than your yogurt container, no matter how much it rains, that rat sack stays dry. Birds can't get at it, dogs can't get at it, cats can't get at it, and it's just so successful. Oh, that's very good advice. Thank you, Margaret. The one we've been trialling has been this new fast action rat sack that you can have uh, in the dry or wet. So it's, uh, you know, the rain doesn't seem to wash them away. Yeah, but see, rats, they they drag their food away. They'll drag it too. Oh, trust me, they're eating it. They are eating it. Uh, But, Margaret, are you finding you're having problems with your veggies in the garden with the rodents? I don't have veggies. I don't have veggies, but I do have a bird aviary. Ah, right, yes. And I live near the bush. Right. So, therefore, you know, we get an occasional 
you know, and I just, for safety things, but it gets eaten, and even, you know, cockroaches will go in there and eat them, and you'll find them dead there too. Yes, I'm finding that. But, uh, Margaret, you know why I why we do have them around at the nursery every now and then? Because we have a beautiful, great, big, tall gander. And he has a couple of chickens for company. And I always find that, that, you know, any kind of bird life does attract the rats because of your feeding, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, look, so thank you. I keep that around. And I find that he's so safe. No matter in the weather, you know, and it, and the birds can't get it, cats or dogs, and it just stays dry and it's most safe. Well, I could assure you that Bill the Gander, he can't reach these where we hammer them up high on the roof. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Margaret. It's okay. lovely that you're calling in and letting us know that. Thank you. Yeah, and I enjoy the show. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye-bye. It was very do-it-yourself then, Margaret, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Yes, yeah. I like the idea of the roof tile, keeping the rat sack dry, but she's using a different form than we are. Uh, she's using one probably that's got bran that attracts them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that's all we've got time for. We're just about to run out of time, Judy. We have interesting today, a lot of different topics. It has been very interesting. Thank you very much, and Scott Sharp's back next week. Oh, yes. Yes, I'm sure he is. We'll have to get you both in at the same time. I can see some more arguments. Do you think that'll work? It'll be fun for me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it would.